My name is JB. I'm the worship arts pastor here at Radiant Life. Usually, I'm back here getting to play with this great band, uh, just amazingly talented people. Today, I get to do something a little bit different. My son, Ian, was leading. Could you guys uh, just encourage the band? Aren't they great? I've been a worship pastor for, well, probably not a pastor, but a worship leader for almost 20 years, and I've never played with people so talented as we have here at Radiant Life. Never. From tech, sound, to, the, to every part, uh, just really talented people. So, grateful. Well, we're in the middle of a summer series called Four-Letter Words, and each week a pastor has taken a four-letter word and kind of unpacked that four-letter word. I think everyone except one of them had a five-letter word. You don't remember that, but... <laughs> As you saw in the video, the four-letter word for today is seed, okay? We're going to be talking a lot about farming and about planting, about sowing, about reaping. And this is very familiar language to us here in the Midwest because everywhere we see, what, what do we, where, where, what's, what's around everywhere? Corn, soybeans, what else? Potatoes. I've even seen some fields with tomatoes in them that lay on the ground, the Roma tomatoes. So farming is a part of our life here. We even have a subculture in this area called the Amish. They farm. They this amazing culture. We're going to be talking a lot about that. You know, in Bible times, it was the same way, only they were even more married to the land. They were even more connected to farming life than we are. We, we can go to the store and get the things that we need, right? They grew their food. They grew everything that they ate. They raised cattle. It was just an amazing experience in Bible times. And God gave commands. So he would give them instructions on, on everything you can think of, when they worked, when they didn't, how they worked, how they worshiped. This is what we understand to be the first five books of the Bible. It's called the Torah, right? The, from the creation account through all of God's instructions. And to start, we're going to look at a really strange instruction that God included in this, and it's right in that vein of farming. Look at this in Deuteronomy 22.9. God says, do not plant two kinds of seed in your vineyard. If you do, not only the crops you plant, but also the fruit of the vineyard will be defiled. How does this apply to us? How does this, what do, what sense can this make? What are, what, are, what are we talking, what is God saying about planting and seeds and a vineyard? Well, I think that planting can be seen as the actions of our life, the things that we do, right? The seed is the actual thing itself. What are we inputting into our lives? What are we planting, right? And the vineyard, of course, is life itself. You know, we get that 70, 80, 90, and if you're really blessed, you get 100 years on this uh, earth, if God blesses. But we have this life that God's given us, and what are we putting in to this life? So look, let's look at that verse one more time. Do not plant two kinds of seed in your vineyard. If you do, not only the crops you plant, but also the fruit of the vineyard will be defiled. Here's my premise this morning. I think there's a lot of us that are planting two kinds of seed in our life, the seeds of the world and the, and the seeds of God. And we're expecting to get something that's not happening, right? We're expecting results that just won't happen when you have two kinds of seed in your life. 
Or you may be an unbeliever here. You've never even been in a church. Radiant Life is, you're just visiting. And this all is confusing. Stick with me. It's going to make sense. And I'm going to, I'm going to explain this to you by telling you a little bit about the seeds that I planted in my life leading up to the time that I encountered God and came into relationship with God. So I'm going to pause here for a moment. I'm going to ask everybody, before I show this next slide, will you promise not to laugh? Dave says, no one, not a single, man, third service is rough. So first service, a couple people raise their hands, second service, a few more. Okay, here we go. Okay. It's okay, right? <laughs> this, this is JB. This is Josh. A long, long time ago. I was 17 or 18. I'm not really sure. Uh, and I was in the Grand Canyon on, on uh, vacation with my family. Uh, just a punk kid. I mean, look at this dude. Clown hair, those glasses, and that's, sheesh. So I, up until uh, that time of life, I was just a, a normal kid. You know, I was raised in a Christian home. My parents took me to church every Sunday. I went to youth group. I did all those things. I knew who God was. I knew who Jesus was. I believed that God was real. I believed the account of creation. I believed the story of the cross, like that it was true, but I didn't believe it for me. So I had all this seed, all this input coming into my life, it was good seed, but I didn't believe it. It wasn't mixed with faith, with believing that it was true for me. So you can believe all kinds of things about God, and they could be true. They could be part of the Bible. But if, they don't, if they're not rooted in your heart, if they're not mixed with faith, they're not going to yield anything. So I was, I was raised in this Christian home, and up until about the age of 15, my freshman year in high school, there was one thing that I had never experienced, like literally never, and it was death. I'd never seen a casket like in person, never even been in a funeral home, never even had a pet die, like, you know, flushing the goldfish, nothing. I had never encountered death. My freshman year of high school, my grandmother, we called her Ame, she was 61, she died of cancer, like five to six weeks from diagnosis till the time she passed. It's a blessing in, in, in disguise as you, you, you all have been touched by cancer. It's a horrible, horrible disease. But she suffered very little, and, and she did go home to be with Jesus. So I'm faced with this death. I know all these truths about God. I know who God is, but I really don't believe them for myself. So I don't have the coping mechanisms to deal with this death. It's totally foreign to me. I mean, you really stop and think about what death is. It's... There's a living, breathing person right there. And the next moment, they're gone. It's so odd. It's such a strange thing. God never intended it. If you didn't know that, God never intended for anyone to die. Never. He expected for us to enjoy him in the cool of the day in the garden forever. And he still has that expectation for us. So for me, when I looked at death, and I, I wasn't sure how to deal with this, at this time, uh, we had a, we, this is the word we used at our high school. We had people called Pop-Tarts, right? These are the, ki the good kids. Like, they didn't do drugs. They didn't drink. They, you know, got home at 9 o'clock, et cetera, et cetera. I hung with those kids. I was an athlete. I did um, basketball and football and track. I did all those things. I, was, I got pretty decent grades. 
up until about that freshman year. But I also knew these other kids in school, right? A little rougher. They were the kids that were doing drugs. And so that's what I turned to as a way to cope with this death, being outside of relationship with my creator. I was sideways with my creator. And rather than turning to him, I just turned another direction, the thing that was in front of me. And I'll never forget it. The first time I ever smoked pot, I was sitting in the middle seat of a, of a little Ford Ranger. My friend was on the left. My other friend was on my right. And we're smoking pot out of a Coke can. And I said two things in that, in that moment, the, the smoke-filled cab of that truck. I said, I'll never have a needle in my arm. And I'll never live on the street like a bum. Some time passed and I was that person, needle in my arm, homeless. You see, drugs have a way of completely taking over a person's life. Every facet, every nook, every cranny, it is the addiction to drugs and alcohol, it's the single most selfish way of life that there is, I think. It's always taking. I took and I took and I took. I was just completely self-centered. It was all about me and what I could get from others. So I did what most people did. I wanted to be sober. Like I knew it was wrong. I knew that this wasn't what God wanted for me. So I turned to the ways of the world to try to fix it. I went to NA. I went to AA. I went to CA. You guys don't know what all that means. Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, and eventually for me, cocaine was my drug of choice, and I went to Cocaine Anonymous. I tried all these things. Guys, I did inpatient. I did outpatient. I did uh, therapy. I did rehabs. I did 90 meetings in. The program works if you... Right. And it does, and I want to be really careful here because I'm... Remember, I'm just this dude on stage telling my story. God does use these programs. He can and he does. And maybe you're here and he has. So don't mistake what I'm saying. It just wasn't what worked for me. And I'll tell you why. I went to a meeting. Uh, you do the 90 meetings in 90 days. Meaning you go to a meeting, at least one meeting, every single day for 90 days. So I had this meeting I would go to over in Goshen, Indiana. It was an AA meeting. And I went there. I'm 17, 18 years old. And I'm sitting there. And the guy, uh, one of the guys, the the participants in the meeting, he got his 20-year coin. That meeting that I was at, 20 years, this dude had been sober. The program works if you work it. He was sober for 20 years. So I'm sitting there, this punk kid, and I'm thinking, this guy's been sober longer than I've been alive. The program works if you work it, man. I mean, six more uh, meetings go by, and I come back for the, the, the next week, seven days, come back to this meeting in Goshen, and I'm like, Where's Bill? I didn't see him at the meeting. Oh, man, he fell off the wagon. What? <laughs> fell off the wagon? I cursed. Are you kidding me? The dude was sober 20 years. He got his coin. He's come to these meetings, and now he's back at it. What are you? I left. I never went back. I knew in, in that moment there was no power in that room for me. There was no power. The Bible uses a word, it's the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our English word for dynamite. 
explosive power. This is always how God describes the Holy Spirit, his presence. It's dynamite. There was no dynamite, dunamis, power of the Holy Spirit in this room. I knew it, and I never went back. Never went back. So I went through these. I went through these meetings. I did inpatient, outpatient. Guys, I even went out and lived on a hippie commune out in the middle of the desert. (laughs) You saw the pictures, so it makes sense, right? Crazy hair. I'd owed a a guy some money that was pretty dangerous. In fact, I'd gotten, I I had been dealing dealing drugs for this guy for a while. Um, And uh, at one point I got down, I owed him some money, and he said, listen, tell you what, if you go over here and you kill this guy, we'll call your debt good. And so then when I started owing him money, (laughs) I started thinking, well, yeah, I think I know what's coming for me. And the guy started coming to my house. He would knock on the door and he'd tell my parents, I have a car I want to give Josh. Hmm, Sure you do. Yeah. So I took off. I went to this hippie commune. I did everything, guys. Got you wouldn't believe it. Even ended up in jail. Minor, minor possession charge. I mean, there were times I had enough drugs in my car to, I should still be in prison. God never let me get caught. So gracious to me. I just continued in this addiction day after day after day. We got into a, a cycle with crystal meth. You guys know this is a plague in our country. It's a plague in Sturgis, Michigan. It's a plague in LaGrange, Indiana, where I'm from. It's a plague, killing our citizens, killing the people around us. It's horrible stuff. So I had been on like a 10-day binge at this time. I was in an apartment above Carney Furniture in LaGrange, Indiana, if you guys know where that's at. 10 days I'd been up, and you know, at that time, if you guys are knowing people like that, you start scratching, you start taking the VCR apart, trying to put stuff together, you're seeing things, you're, you're just out of it. I ended up in the shower, and I'm taking a shower after this 10-day binge, and I'm just really still completely out of it. While I'm in the shower, I sneezed. And I was like, something in my nose, and I hear, I hear this noise at the bottom of the tub. And I look down at the bottom of the tub and there's blood everywhere. And I reached down in that pile of whatever and I picked something up that was hard. It was like a bone or a piece of cartilage or part of my nose. I'd sneezed out part of my nose, my face. Well, needless to say, I had to have surgery. I went into the ENT. I had my nose rebuilt. This is all before I graduated high school, people. The doctor told me, Dr. Duma, he said, uh, if you do drugs, if you, if you go back to drugs in the next six months, you're, you're going to die. Three weeks after I got out of surgery. So my nose was so jacked up that they took these, they were like a cone-looking plastic thing. They were thin on one end and bigger on the other end. And they put this in my nose, and it was to help keep my nose in shape so it would heal in a proper shape, and it was packed with cotton. Three weeks after I got out of surgery, guess what I did? I went out to Dad's garage, and I got a pair of needle-nose pliers. And I grabbed onto those dudes, and I pulled them out, and I, I started snorting drugs up my nose. 
totally undoing all that surgery that I'd had. And if you can look, so those of you that are closer, you can see that whole side of my nose is chewed up from what I had done. Eventually, again, like I, I shared with you, cocaine was my, my drug of choice, and we were taking LSD one night and had a big bag of Coke. I overdosed on cocaine while tripping on acid. You want to talk about a bad day? I ended up in, it was Vencor Hospital at that time in LaGrange. And it's funny, my wife and I and my sister and my parents were at a restaurant here recently in, in Mishawaka. And my mom pointed, she said, that's the hospital you were in. What are you talking about? I was never there. They had life, or not life flighted, because that's helicopter. They took me by ambulance from Vencor Hospital to this hospital. And I had stayed overnight there. I didn't even remember it. Didn't even know I was there. They took me there for for uh, observation to make sure I was okay after this overdose. I went home the next day. I didn't even remember it. I didn't even know that I had even been there. When I first got saved, I had this black baseball cap that had purple embroidered lettering on it. And this is what it had on it. It's, it's the scriptures, Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. You guys just heard a whole bunch of mess of me sowing seeds to the flesh. If you're not a church person, all flesh means is just those inward human desires that are natural sometimes, but they're meant to be governed by God. These are those desires that we go headlong after and we seek after and we want to do those things, but they're not God's best for you. That's all the flesh is. It's this descriptive word about a life that is outside of God's best for you. And you just heard a mess of it. And I began to reap some of that destruction. I had sown so many seeds to the flesh. I'd made all these little deposits in my life that what was growing and coming up in my life was destruction. It's destruction. Now, you hear a story like that. Some of you may be sitting in your pews and thinking, I'm not sure if I want to have lunch after this. Oh, you're making me sick. You can't identify with this. This is a radical story. And I tell you, every time I tell this story, I feel like I'm dreaming. Did I really do that? Did I really live that life? I can't believe this. God, you've been so good to me. You've been so gracious. But notice this just says a man, woman in context as well. It doesn't say a drug addict. It doesn't say the tattooed guy on stage. So my question for you is, what are you planting? What are the little deposits that you've been making in your life day after day after day? And what are those little, little things that are beginning to grow in your life? You're starting to taste that fruit, and it's garbage. You're starting to eat a little bit of that, that harvest, and it's destroying you. You're reaping destruction, and you know it. You know it. What are you planting? 
What are you planting? In February of 1999, to say it like that because it sounds really old, my wife, my girlfriend at that time, Lisa, and I were living on the south side of Fort Wayne on South Anthony Boulevard. Anybody know South Anthony Boulevard? Rough area, right? We are right across the street from Southtown Mall. It's gone now. We were in the hood. I mean, it was a rough area. We lived in the Villa Capri Apartments. And we kind of had this little pact. We were like, we're not going to do any coke or any hard drugs. We're just going to smoke weed and eat acid and do mushrooms and that kind of thing. So for 10 days, we had been eating these, or maybe it was longer than that. I don't know. We were eating mushrooms day after day after day after day, just holed up in this apartment, just tripping. Comes to a day we decide we're going to go back, we're going to get more and just keep doing it. So day 11, day 12, I don't even remember. So we go get this next bag of these mushrooms from this guy, and we're eating these mushrooms, and about two hours into this, we're just standing there like, what's going on? My buddy, we called him Swick. Swick and... My wife and I, we weren't high at all. We're like, man, I think we got ripped off. I'm going to go pull this guy out of his yard. I'm going to get my money back. So we get, we're getting ready to go do that and get our money back. And I start feeling this sensation, this sort of like my muscles and my, I just started kind of tensing. And I'm doing just like I'm doing right now. I'm pacing in my apartment. Lisa's kind of getting worried. She doesn't know what's going on. We, Lisa and I, we were always the ones at the party for whatever reason. Everyone else would be losing their you-know-what, but not us. We've, we could handle it for some reason. But we had seen people lose their minds on drugs, and so she thought, I thought, that's what was happening to me. You're going to have one of those trips where your brain is never going to be the same because it happens. So I'm pacing around the apartment. She's getting worried. I'm feeling this tension build and rise. And second service, I described it. You know how, like, when you first start getting water boiling and it just kind of starts moving just a little bit. It's not rolling and bubbling and and vapors. It's just starting to boil and and, and kind of seethe. So I start getting these these strange, I mean, really, really strange uh, thoughts are coming into my mind. I start thinking, you know, what if I could... What if I could take my thumb and just stick that in the corner of my eyes and pull my eyeball out? I thought, I bet if I could get my fingernails underneath the skin and my elbows, I could just start peeling my own skin off. Sounds destructive, doesn't it? I was reaping it in spades that night. See, I believe that the the Bible tells us there's a destroyer, there's an enemy of our souls, Satan, the devil. The Bible describes him as a roaring lion. He's roaming the earth, seeking who he can kill and destroy. So I had been partnering with him and sowing seeds to the flesh for so long. The enemy of my soul, the destroyer, was taking rightful ownership of what was his. You see, the enemy has one goal in your life. If you're an unbeliever here today, you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, I'm going I'm to give you a pro tip here. He has one goal in your life. He wants to physically kill your body dead in the ground before you can say yes to Jesus. 
And he'll do whatever he can to do it. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be sexual immorality. It could be anything you could think of. He wants to kill your physical body before you can respond to Jesus. And that's what he was doing in my life that night. I'm sitting there. I'm having these. I end up in my, my bedroom, and I'm, I'm curled up in a ball. And I'm, I'm, I can feel it. I remember as I, as I was laying there, I just had this strange thought. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. I thought, I started feeling remorse. I started feeling sorry. I started remembering all of the terrible things I had done. So 2 o'clock in the morning, I call my dad. 2 a.m., I said, Dad, I think I got some bad mushrooms. I don't know what's going on. And I begin to tell him and I begin to confess to him. Dad, I did this. Dad, I did this. Dad, I did this. I gave my baby sister drugs. My only sister, I gave her drugs. Dad, this is what I've done. He just listened. I get off the phone with my dad, and I'm in a ball. And I hear this voice in my head. It's not out loud. But I hear this voice, and the voice says, read your Bible. And right next to our bed where our bong and our weed and our mushrooms and cigarettes, whatever else, we always had a Bible there. I don't know why, but we always had a Bible there. I opened the Bible, and immediately when I opened up that Bible, the words just melted off the page. Right now where you sit, there's a spiritual battle taking place. For some of you, it's fierce. There's an enemy of your souls, like I've, I've said, he's fighting to kill you. And God loves you so much, he wants to save your soul. So I hear the voice of God say, read the Bible. You know, Satan will never tell you to read your Bible. Never. He'll never tell you to do that. I hear the voice of God tell me to do this, and then immediately the enemy responds and he fights back. And there's this heavenly spiritual war that's taking place over little old me. So now I'm under the influence of these drugs. I can sense this boiling and this energy rising in my body. I feel like, I describe it this way every time, I feel like I'm, I'm like this on a roller coaster. You know those chain drive roller coasters, the old one where it's like click, 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 click. And you know, man, when you get to the top there, you're about to free fall into hopefully fun times. I felt like that's what was happening. I felt like I was going up an emotional and a spiritual roller coaster. Not physically, like hallucinating. But I could feel this thing happening in my heart. This stirring. I get to the top of this spiritual roller coaster, so to speak, and I hear the voice of God again. And he says, tonight, I'm going to set you free if you'll let me. It was a question. Tonight, I'm going to set you free if you let me. You guys know that story of Peter. You know, God calls him out on the water, and he takes this step out onto the water. He's walking on the water. He takes his eyes off of the Lord, and he begins to sink. He begins to fall into that water. And do you remember what Peter said? Dear Lord, thou shall whithersoever. Did he, say, did he pray like that? In King James, right? 
No, he said, God, help me. Lord, save me. And as God began to speak to me, that's exactly what I said. I don't even understand what you're saying to me, God. I just need you to help me. Lord, help me. I need you. I need you to do a work in my life. I need you to set me free. I can't do this anymore. I can't live this way anymore. I've had enough. When I said those words, friends, I opened up my my mouth and I screamed. I felt like in that one moment that everyone I had ever known, everyone I'd ever loved, everyone I'd ever even remotely cared about, someone had just called me on the phone and said, all of those people were on one jet and they just crashed in the ocean. They're all dead. Everyone you cared about, they're dead. I, my heart broke. I experienced a crushing, a humbling I believe, I don't know what your convictions are, but I believe that when I opened my mouth, God began to drive unclean, demonic spirits out of my life. Things that had taken control of me, that I'd given permission to control, seeds that I had planted. I'd open my mouth and I'd scream. And I'm telling you, it felt like someone came beside me and they had a pitcher full of oil. And I could feel it on top of my head, starting just on top of my head. And I could feel it just slow, slowly washing over my whole body, down to the tips of my toes. And with it came peace, freedom, joy, rest like I've never had before. This happened over and over again for a period of a couple of hours and God just began to wash me and clean me and set me free from the things that I'd been given to. That was February 28th, 1999. I woke up the next morning to grab my bong, grab my my cigarettes, do the things that I always started my day with and everything was brand new. Nothing was the same. I couldn't see the same. Everything around me, I jumped up, I I threw my cigarettes in the the toilet, my mushrooms, so I flushed it all down the toilet. God's providence, my my girlfriend and I, we were living together at that time, and I said, our, our, our lease was up. I said, we can't live together anymore. This is not God's best for us. We have to move home. She moved home to mom's house. I moved to my parents' house. God set me free that day. I never touched it again. Never. Never touched it again. Now you might be asking yourself, what does this mean for me? Cool story, man. But I want to ask you again, what are you planting? What are those seeds in your life that you've deposited in the soil of your heart that are starting to sprout, they're starting to take root, they're starting to grow? Some of you might have giant oak trees of things in your life that are keeping you bound. What are you planting? 
do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. I thought about this verse this week. Last several weeks, and I thought, I got kind of kind of scared because I began to question the word of God. Because I began to ask myself, have I really reaped all that I've sown? Ask yourself that right now. Have I really reaped all that I've sown? And the honest answer is no, you haven't. God has been so gracious and merciful and kind and patient with you. And you know it this morning. You know that God's poking that thing in your heart. When I'm asking you what you're planting, you know that thing or things. And if you're an unbeliever, it's deadly serious, people. If you live your life outside of the covering of Jesus, you sow that, you're going to reap eternal destruction. A few weeks ago, Jade and Steve shared, and Jade said something that just moved me deeply. She talked about her friends and the people that she loved, and she said, I know I'm going to heaven, and when I go there, talking to her friend, I don't want to be there without you. She was saying two things there, wasn't she? She was saying, one, I want you to be with me, but two, if you don't know Jesus, you won't be. There's some gospel there. If you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, haven't confessed that what God says about you is true, which is that you are separated, a sinner, then there is destruction coming. And I know that's, those are hard words. I didn't say them. God did. You have a choice to make. I think that all of us, doesn't matter if you're a believer, you're an unbeliever, this is a picture of your heart and your life right now. God has tilled up the ground of your heart. He's plowed a new way, and you can begin making decisions now. What am I going to plant in this? I could put anything I want in there. I could put anything I want in there. What are you going to plant? What are you planting? The Bible says there are three things that keep a believer in Jesus healthy, keeps you strong and growing. You want to learn what those three seeds are? Okay, cool. If you'll spend time in the Word, the Word of God, and I mean it, it, it doesn't have to be academic study. It can be as simple as just reading your Bible every day. Being in God's Word has this way of purifying and cleansing First service, I had a gentleman I prayed with, and he's struggling with his thought life. I took him to Romans 12.1 because the Bible says that your mind can be renewed by the word of God. Did you know that? Did you know that the Bible can, can change your thinking? If you'll spend time in the word every day, God's going to change your life. We have a, a pastor here, Pastor Brandon. He was up here earlier. We're bearded brothers. That's what we say. He's our next steps in community and discipleship pa pastor. And this guy has a fire inside for discipleship like you would not believe. His heart is to connect you, God's people, and even you that aren't God's people yet, to the word of God on a daily basis. He has amazing ways of doing that. If you don't know, but you want this seed in your life, you don't know how to do this, 
And you want to learn how to do this? You want to learn how to get into God's word? I want you to get with Pastor Brandon after this service. Brandon's got some great resources. Jeff has some great resources. Things that can help you get into God's word. Because when God's word gets into you, you're going to be changed. The next thing that keeps us healthy, the next seed, if you'll plant, is prayer. And another word we could say for prayer is just conversation with God. Just talking with him, just like we're talking here. Where you're hearing and you're listening and you're saying some things. God wants to have that ongoing conversation with you. If every day you'll just begin to talk to God, God, I know this thing. I need you to, to forgive me. I'm still fighting. You see it. You see everything. I'm just admitting to you what you already know. Lord, would you help me? Sure, I will, son. Sure, I will, daughter. That's what I'm here for. I love you. I'm here to change your life. That third seed that's going to keep you healthy is community. The big churchy word is the word fellowship. How many of you guys have heard that word, fellowship, right? All this means is you need people that are like-minded around you. If you're surrounding yourself with people who are sowing seeds to the flesh, what do you think you're going to start doing? Don't be fooled. God is not mocked. Not only if you sow seeds to the flesh, you're going to reap destruction, but if you're hanging with people who do, you're going to experience the same thing. They're going to rub off on you. You need to be in community with people who love Jesus, people who are going to encourage you. You know what? You need people in your life that are going to say, I see that seed in your life. They're going to love you enough to call you out, right? Say, I think that if you continue planting that thing in your life, you're going to reap something you don't like. You need community. And we have a wonderful vehicle for community here at Radiant Life. If you're new here, we have this thing called Next Steps. And it literally is what you think it is. It's the next step. What am I supposed to do at Radiant Life? I visited a few times. I don't know what to do. Next Steps is coming up really soon. Pastor Brandon, again, our discipleship and community pastor, he takes us through week by week and helps you understand what it means to be a part of a healthy community of other like-minded people. So I want to encourage you after this service again, connect with Brandon, get signed up for Next Steps, be a part of that. It's only a few weeks. You're going to learn a lot and you're going to grow. But I promise you, if you plant these three seeds in your heart and your life, you're going to remain healthy. And you may be thinking, okay, Good, crazy story. Three good things to plant. Josh, that's just not me this morning. That's not where I'm at. I got some of that other stuff you were talking about. These are some of the things in my life. And I want you as we read these, use the word I. I'm greedy. I gossip. I talk about others. I'm looking at porn on the internet. I want what other people have. I'm envious. I'm constantly comparing myself with other people. If only I was as handsome as him, as pretty as her. If only I had that car. A bigger house. Goes right along with jealousy. Jealousy is a little different than comparison because jealousy says, not only do I want what you have, but I want it so that you don't have it. 
Maybe it's pride. I'm prideful. Man, we all deal with that. Thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. Maybe it's anger. Maybe you've got that boiling, seething thing inside of you that just pops out from time to time and you lose it on people. I'm angry. Maybe it's success. Maybe you're, you're punching that clock, not nine to five, but nine to 10, 14, 15 hour days just to get that extra, to get the bigger house. You want to climb the corporate ladder. Maybe it's fear. I talked with a young, young lady. She said I was, first service, I'm afraid and I don't even really know why. I've just got this fear inside. I'm fearful. Or maybe you are like me. You have that same story. Drugs and alcohol are a part of your life right now. You're visiting. Or maybe rather than just having the one beer at the picnic, you find yourself having five and six and seven and eight, and you're like, what's going on? This is spiraling out of control. I'm out of control. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. Maybe it's gluttony. The Bible talks about this, friends. We don't talk about it much in the church. Food is just another drug. Are you turning to food to compensate for hurts, things that you're dealing with on the inside? Is that your drug of choice? There's one word on here that isn't listed, but as I prayed through this word cloud and I thought through it and I, I sought the counsel of other people that I trust, one word didn't come up, and I don't know why, but it did this, this, this morning, and it's the word bitterness. In the book of Hebrews, it says that bitterness is a seed, and it can take root. Hebrews says that if you let that bitterness take root in your heart, it actually rises up, and it says that it defiles or ruins many people. If you have bitterness and unforgiveness, that seed is in your heart, it's going to destroy you, and it will destroy the people around you as well. You might think, I can be angry at this person, and I can unforgive. I don't have to forgive this person. I can live in unforgiveness, and I can be angry and bitter towards them, and it's only affecting me. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that it defiles the people around us. I don't know about you. I've been defiled by a root of bitterness before. People around me that were bitter and unforgiving. It affects you. It's awful. So if you have that, that root in your life, that seed in your life, or any of these things, and it's a small list, people. We could, we could put all kinds of different things here. I think today is a new day. I think this morning, this afternoon, you have an open field that's newly tilled. You've heard this radical story. And maybe God's stirring you. When I said, I'm this, you were saying the same things. And today's the day to deal with it. Today's the day to just reach down and allow the Holy Spirit to begin uprooting and weeding out that garbage in your life. Those seeds that you've been planting that you know have no place. Do you know that you're a blood bought son or daughter of God, believer, you don't have to live that way anymore. You could be free. 
All you have to do is say, God, you're right about what you've said, and I'm wrong. Please forgive me, and he promises. 